0: What's happening, world? I'm your host, The Wizard of Oz, Benji Wozniak, and this week... Here and I will be talking about Time Bandits, a 1981 movie by Terry Gilliam.
1: So, to be honest, I had never um, seen this movie before to- before today, actually. I did watch it this morning. Um, but it was so funny, and when I was doing research on it, I didn't realize what a cult following it had. I mean, I should have assumed because of Monty Python, but I really had no idea. What's your history with the film?
0: So, uh, I found it in the 1980s by accident. I was just watching some stuff on um, uh, cable, and there it was... Time Bandits, so I ended up watching it and I thought it was hysterical. And for me, it was like a major thing for me because uh, people of diminutive size were actually the stars all the way through the movie. They, It wasn't like a, a, a big gigantic hero. It was just people like basically normal people doing something and having a good time.
1: Absolutely. And they were so funny. And what one thing I really liked about the film is that they were never like their humor was never punching down on them. They were always in on the joke or making the jokes, which I thought was really cool because you hear the 80s and you think of this and you're like, oh, this is just going to be a lot of bad jokes. And I thought Napoleon made some of the funniest jokes when he was sitting at the table drunk, just like naming how tall all the conquerors were. He was like, five, two, five three I could not stop laughing
0: yeah that was pretty funny he was like and then he fires his generals to hire the to hire the time bandits and uh it was just really funny I was like that's great and uh he was like I want the little fellows
1: (laughs) and I thought that was really I thought that was really cool and I thought even though Napoleon's like a bad guy. We kind of see him in this light of like, well, maybe if he was just taller than someone, he wouldn't have tried to, you know, invade it. Well, successfully invade Italy.
0: Yeah. And uh, the whole thing about like his size was great because like he was like, you know, sitting there and the, the Time band has come out on stage and they're singing Me and My Shadow. And like the look on his face was just hysterical. And I'm like, oh, what? The-? You, know, you don't know if he's like really going to be like mad that these people come out or anything. And he's like, oh, you guys are great.
1: <laughs> and it's so funny because... They're stressed. And then we have the stage manager to the side who's so stressed. We see him with like the gun to his head. He's like, I'm going to do it. And then when they're performing, he has like the rope tied around his neck. And then Napoleon's like, you did a great job. And then like kind of like pushes him to the side, which actually causes him to strangle himself to death. It was so, like, it's bad. It's very funny, though.
0: Yeah, Napoleon was played by Ian Holmes, and, uh, like, a lot of people in this movie are so famous, and it's just, you look at it and go, wow, they got a, an all-star cast. I mean, it was great.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Ian Holmes, just to begin, and then we follow it up with Robin Hood and John Cleet, as, who... John Cleese. Hysterical. And I mean, that scene killed me. We have all the like traditionally grubby bandits and we have Robin Hood in his pristine green.
0: Yeah. And the funny part was like, you know, they stole they had stolen all this stuff from Napoleon and it, they went through time. Uh, see, the, the thing about this is there's a map that has little holes in time that they can jump through. And these time bandits were people that actually worked for God. And they got mad because they got demoted because they made a stinky tree. And so they decided they were going to use the map and become robbers throughout time so they jump from time to time and they actually rob from napoleon they steal all his like gold and stuff like that and they end up coming to robin hood's time like it's just funny because like robin hood's like thank you and they're like what do you mean And he's like thank you for all the stuff and they're like no no we stole that and he's like no 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 the poor are gonna have this It's just-
1: but then they're like the poor the poor and then you just seem <laughs> like people that are like the poor people that they're giving it to and then we have the one guy that just keeps like knocking them out that part i didn't get i will say i didn't understand why he was punching
0: them. yeah it was pretty funny though because robin hood's like is that necessary He's like, oh yes yes that's absolutely necessary
1: i just thought it was so funny because when we think of robin hood we think of like gallant thieves and he presents himself as and he sort of looks out of time amongst thieves that were actually of the period so i thought that was really interesting i thought that was really funny because at some point i thought the joke was going to turn to like why am i even here you know what i mean
0: yeah who is classic and like just like the 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 little the time bandits themselves were just so funny because the expression on their faces like when stuff's going on around them like um when they first get there uh they fall onto this carriage and it consists of uh lady pansy uh who is actually shelly duvall and you know and vincent who is michael um uh, Palik. and uh it was just so funny because like you know he's talking to her about like having a problem where he can't like perform kind of and she's sitting there going oh it's okay is it healed and he's like yes and all of a sudden they fall through and he's like and the first thing that comes out of her mouth is your problem
1: (laughs) i thought so i loved pansy and vincent i thought they were so funny so to me to have them reoccurring through time as these sort of like star-crossed lovers who have just like they're soulmates and they are but there's always something in the way and then they're always getting crushed by the time bandits i thought it was so funny and i loved like i mean i will say this female representation in the movie is poor It is. We have the materialistic mother who neglects her son. We have the ever horny pansy who just keeps getting toppled by men, but not in the way that she wants. And then we have Agamemnon's wife, scheming wife. And then we have... I don't know what to call her—the boat wife, like the troll wife—and it was just like—I mean, this is just a side tangent that I'm going on because we're talking about pansy. But I just thought it was so interesting. Like, there are so many women in time that are strong that you could have incorporated that. That's all I'm going to say.
0: No, I agree. And um, if you you if you watched um, Who's the Boss or Soap, the troll's wife is actually the grandmother on Who's the Boss. And yeah, and it's just it's so funny to see her because like her character is like the total opposite. She's actually a horny person and who's the boss and in in this movie she's like this psycho killer that wants to just cut people up for her husband
1: yeah and this one she's just like i was i would call her like the manipulative wife you know she cares for her husband but she's always scheming and she's like oh you're the big strong man you do this but like i'm gonna do this like behind you know what i kind of you know what i mean so i thought that was really interesting but i love shelly duvall she killed me in every scene she's class chef's kiss she is classic
0: yeah it was she was great and i just 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 to see her and it was like amazing because i was like oh that's shelly duvall and like you don't expect her to like to be the character she wasn't as pansy and it was just so funny to see her because she's like oh oh i'm being robbed and it's so funny and then um and like you said she continues on like First, she's in Robin Hood's time, then she comes on to the Titanic. And it was just it was just great to see them continue the two Vincent and Pansy um, characters.
1: Absolutely. And I thought every every famous person that came on the screen felt like a reveal to me. But then I would say the biggest reveal is when Kevin time travels alone. Now Kevin is the main child who the whole story is focused around. He is neglected by his parents. He's a he loves history. He loves adventure. He loves knowledge. And the time bandits crash into his room and he kind of gets it's mixed up in their business so he goes to agamemnon's time alone. And then who's the reveal?
0: So, Gilliam in his script wrote that, you know, for the reveal, he'd like to have Sean Connery or someone of equal a lesser value. <laughs> so, the the manager took it seriously because he wasn't a funny person and went and got Sean Connery. So, Sean Connery is actually Agamemnon.
1: And he does a great job. Um and I thought it was so funny because I had I had known that he was in the movie. We had talked about it beforehand. And when I actually saw him though, like the reveal of him like taking off his like helmet after this battle i was like oh my god sean connery welcome um what i really liked about his character and what i thought was really interesting to do in the film is it historically agamemnon is a bad guy you know he's an invader he's a He's a bad leader. He kills his wife because she's planning to kill him. He like does the Trojan horse. But in this movie, we actually see him as such like a strong father figure to Kevin, where he's like caring and listening and nurturing. And I thought it was so interesting that they would flip that character.
0: Yeah. And it was. It was kind of funny because, like, you know, you kind of want Kevin to stay with uh, Agamemnon because of the, how bad his parents treat him. And then you see, like, these, these, like, they're having a party to announce that he's adopting Kevin. And then the Time Bandits come and, you know, abduct Kevin.
1: And I mean, so this, we can get into this conversation because one thing, uh, one problem I have with the movie is that Kevin is, like, this very precocious, smart child. He knows more than all the Time Bandits. They're seemingly unaware of all these big events that are happening in time, even though they were for God. Like, like, how do they not know? So then I found it. It was offhanded when one of them, when he was kidnapping Kevin, he was like, oh, you don't want to stay here anyways. Come with us. Like, so you know the, about the fall of Agamemnon. So maybe you're protecting him from that. But at the same time, you don't know who Robin Hood is. Like, to me, I I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it.
0: No, like... they their assistance to god they helped create shrubbery they created shrubbery by the way (laughs) so i mean they know stuff i mean they they're there from the beginning of time and even say that we were here from the beginning and that's how they knew the map because they were rushed to create creation in seven days so there's loopholes in the world in the universe to do time traveling so they know stuff but um I kind of thought it was funny that, well, maybe because they're, they're interfering in time that they don't know what the, if it's going to affect time.
1: Maybe. I didn't. I mean, I don't think they thought about interfering with time because they literally robbed Napoleon Blind. So they do not care. They just want him to be robbers. I felt like to me, them stealing the map. I mean, it kind of felt like children acting out against their father like oh you punished us because we did we did something you didn't like but actually i think we should we should fall back on that point later when we talk about the supreme being character versus the evil one characters because i think i did not expect this movie to go there and i wasn't expecting to have this like Good and evil battle.
0: Yeah, because um, it's kind of like good and evil, but it's like I don't know how to explain this. It's like technology. It's like technology. The advancement of technology seems to be like like evil. Like as it as it's like it's maybe too much technology, too quick. Is like th- this how I got some of the some of the situation.
1: No, absolutely, and I and I agree with that to a degree because when I watched it, I was like, oh, he wants to learn about technology because he's viewing technology as a, a way to advance an already, a society that's already shown interest in being, um, I don't know how I want, like obsessed with technology. Like we see like the mom, she's like, oh, this microwave can make it in 15 seconds, but this one can do it in eight. And like, where's my blender and my carver? And like, so we see these people we see in the human realm where kevin is in the beginning that these people are already obsessed with technology and they're already obsessed with consumerism so i think what the evil one does is he wants to capitalize on that and he's like how can i make it more he's already part machine so he's like how can i make this more how can i make my mark
0: yeah and um he tricks them to coming to him like he he offers something that's the greatest treasure of all and he like puts it into their heads kevin talks him out of it at first but later on Randall who is like the leader of the time bandits kind of wants to go do this he's like look I want to go steal this thing that's the greatest uh you know treasure of all
1: and I, and I think that falls back on the consumerism and the capitalistic nature of the movie it's like we have to have these things and then the thing at the end of the maze was the kitchen that the mom was watching on the TV so it just like it comes back to like all these things are easy Evil because it's like it's taking us away from what's real, and what's real is the world around us, and like this a craving of like knowledge and adventure. I think because that's what Kevin wants, and he's the protagonist of the film.
0: Yeah, and Kevin wants knowledge, and like like you said, the parents want technology, and they're even watching a game show called You Bet Your Life, where you have to, like, basically someone has to die for you to get all you want in life, like all your machinery goals and stuff.
1: Which is then hilarious, because Kevin's parents die from touching a microwave at the end, and Kevin is left, we assume, with nothing, but he still has the photo of the map and the Sean Connery firefighter to uh, maybe fall back on.
0: Yeah, and... um. The funny part is when when they do get to Evil's castle and they're captured, they end up being captured and um, put in these cages that are hanging over uh, an abyss and there's like, no way to get out. But the funny thing is they take the rope and they cut the rope and they make like other ropes where they can swing from, from um, cage to cage. And the funny thing is like, it's, it's not technology. It's just knowledge.
1: Which is, I think one of the overarching points of the story, like you said, is knowledge over technology or because that's what Kevin wants. And it is, it's knowledge and it's savvy and it's thinking on your feet and it's working as a team. And that's what they all did. And I don't know, I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, like you said, working as a team because Kevin stays to, to like try and distract evil with um with the og that got turned into a pig, and I, so you have to watch it because it is funny. So, but the other time bandits go through time to get help, and they go to different time periods. Like they come back with archers, tanks, a laser cannon, um, knights, and the, like cowboys, and they all try to like basically assault evil. But it shows that like none of that works. Like none of it works.
1: None of it works because at the end evil is destroyed by God. So at the end, God, I guess. Has- has to come and save us all because his workers aren't there and he needs his workers back. Like it, this movie is about consumer, consumerism and capitalism more than anything else. And I thought to have God be this like kind of like evil boss, not evil because he's not evil, but like this evil, like tyrant of a boss, like, oh, you can't be dead. You got to work. And then like revives him. I mean, I was I was so happy that Fidget lived, but like at what cost? <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it was kind of funny because he's like, "To punish you, you get a thirteen <laughs> percent decrease in pay, and I'm putting you into the uh, the moss in some section." And it was just, and they're all happy. They're like, "Oh, thank you, thank you," and I'm like, "What? No, that's just wrong.
1: It's just wrong, and it's." It's so funny because I've seen I saw so many parallels in media that I've consumed past this time in this movie. Like when all the um, when all the bandits are assembling the people from different times and they all come riding in. It reminded me of Avengers Endgame when the time holes open up and then they all come come in. You can't tell me you didn't see that. It was very a clear parallel. I, I thought it was a clear parallel at least.
0: No, I agree, and I just thought it was funny how, like, the evil conquered them. Like, when they shot the arrows, he blew up into a big balloon and then shot it back at them, and, like, you know, the horses, he like, they lasso him, and then he, like, spins them around and has a thing come out of his head and cuts the ropes and sends them flying. I mean, this it was just so funny how he defeated, like, technology through, like, basically doing nothing
1: it's so funny and he's so silly and that and that's what i like in a villain is like a silly villain because like there's one part when he's like "Ooh, i'm starting to feel good i'm feeling good and they're like why he's like it'll pass i'm bad like i love like a silly villain and i mean when he turned himself into like a carousel hysterical
0: Yeah, and the funny thing is, if you watch Mary Poppins Returns, he's the admiral. Yes, he's the admiral in the boat. So, uh, like I said, all these people have had phenomenal careers. Like, anybody that was in this movie basically did well. I mean
1: absolutely and then this movie has so many funny like musical ties because did you know George Harrison is a producer on it and wrote the music and he actually had to mortgage his studio and fund the movie himself for 5 million dollars because no studio wanted to produce it and then it became a huge success.
0: Yeah, it was for 5 million it made 48 million dollars in the box office between the United States and Canada. I mean it did really well.
1: Which is crazy if you think like now we hear movies that are making multi-millions at the box office so that doesn't matter but back then in the 80s 48 that's huge that would be like batman having 300 million you know what i mean like that's crazy
0: yeah it is and you gotta figure like it didn't have like as far as stars it wasn't like full of like but it had stars as backup roles but the main stars were the the small people in the movie uh i don't know I want to be politically correct I don't want to say anything wrong you know, they, they were I can't say dwarfs right I, I don't know uh, so dwarf yes they were dwarfish and but they were so good at what they did and no one at any point in time made them feel lesser than equal
1: absolutely except for God who was like you're my workers I'm going to cut your pay and I'll get back to the office but yeah no they were never the punchline of any joke they were always saying the jokes they were o- or always in on the jokes and I thought that humor went out through the whole movie I didn't think get punched down on any like marginalized people or minorities i thought it was just really a silly fun passage through time
0: yeah and like no other movie did that except for like willow i mean willow is the star of willow i mean and that was in 88 so you figure that was a huge leap from the times that uh, 1981 to 1988 for like uh, diminutive people to be stars and like Willow is a huge success.
1: Huge and I think too if you look at um, like other works that came out around that time this was the only one that had that sort of humor where it wasn't punching down.
0: Yeah I agree and um, the other movie that came out in 81 was called uh, Under the Rainbow with Carrie Fisher where she you know there's diminutive people in that but it's basically talking the story of um Wizard of Oz where they were actually kind of mean to Dorothy. So, And that's a movie we'll discuss later probably.
1: Oh yeah, we're definitely going to discuss that movie because um, Judy Garland really truly did go through hell on that set and um but and i'm so i can't wait to see carrie fisher in this movie you've told me about it i haven't seen it um it's a glaring blind spot in my films but i think that will be maybe next week or the week after
0: yeah sounds good and chevy chase is also in it so that would be fun um the funny thing about me mentioning willow and actually doing time bandits so willow is being redone on disney and time bandits is being redone on apple at least in the process
1: yeah and i think time bandits being on uh, i think them redoing time bandits is going to be so funny especially with terry Gillum still attached to it and r- there's rumors that Takayo watiki will direct the first episode and i find him to be hysterical do you have hbo max uh yes i do have you been watching our flag means death <laughs>
0: that is so stupid i watched it and i thought it was funny as hell <laughs>
1: Right. It's so funny. But he did that. He's like writing and directing that. So I think if he had a hold of this, mo- this movie, hysterical.
0: Yeah, I know. Like right now, there's a lot of topic about like, you know, people hiring people of diminutive stature because of um what was his name? The guy from Game of Thrones, Peter Dinklage. And, uh you know, Peter Dinklage came out and said, you know, I don't appreciate, you know, you calling them dwarfs or something, and for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So now they're going to do Snow White and the Seven Magical Beasts. So uh, my stance on that is, uh, Peter Dinklage, I agree with what you're saying, but you just cost a whole bunch of people jobs because, like... It's not like they can go out and get like movie roles like, like this, like Time Bandits. So you kind of, you're right, but you came out already as a millionaire, already making millions of dollars and kind of stopped people that are trying to come up. So
1: I see your point there, but what I think Peter Dinklage was saying, and I haven't read this article, This is I'm like hearing this from you, so I'm not really fully sure like the comments that were made on what was said. But from what you're saying, I think it's important that there's actually more roles for people outside of magical creatures outside of being cast as like a dwarf in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I think that is what I would gleam is that maybe we should just be more open in having these roles as a love, as like a main action hero, as this, as that. We can have these people in these roles that no one has to say that you can't. And I think I think he's saying we have to open up as a society, not a society, but like we have to allow that to be in casting and we have to allow that, we have to allow this space to grow.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I just think that like how he came off, I mean, they had to change the whole thing to Snow White and the Seven Magical Beasts. So like that, that left seven people of diminutive sides that aren't going to get jobs because you don't need them now. You can have a voice actor do the, the voice of the diminutive, the magical beast. And I'm just saying, like, even the the community came out and said, well, whoa, what did you just do? They're like, we didn't ask you to do this. We didn't ask you to be representatives for us. You know, And I think he should have maybe talked to people like like of diminutive size that were trying to come up and said hey listen i'm thinking about doing this what do you think and if you think it's going to hurt your careers or prevent you from having a career then i won't do it
1: of course but i mean we also have to think of celebrities aren't like us and they're surrounded by yes men so i mean we see celebrities say crazy shit all the time not saying what peter dinklage said is crazy but we see them say things without thinking of what would happen outside of that? And I don't think I don't think he came for I don't know I have to do more research on this.
0: Yeah, I'm not talking about Kanye West because uh, <laughs> we're talking crazy Kanye. I love you Kanye. Um, but but yeah, I just think like Peter Dinklage. I, I love you. I love Game of Thrones. I loved you in Thor. Thor. I loved you in all your stuff. I can't wait to go see Cyrano de Bergerac. I'm looking forward to that.
1: Okay, so I didn't mean to cut you off, but this is a point I want to make. So in Cyrano de Bergerac, in the main, the original story. Did you read the original yes. story? Okay, so in the original story Cyrano de Bergerac is just a man with a big nose in this movie Cyrano de Bergerac is Peter Dinklage small so that is what I'm talking about when you can take stories and you can make them what they are and I think that's what his point was especially if he was saying this on a press tour for Cyrano this makes a lot of sense
0: oh yeah I agree and uh, I love Cyrano de Bergerac I think it's great because it's the story of like someone who doesn't think of himself as beautiful but comes up with beautiful things like writing poems for this girl and like he looks to this, this person that he views as beautiful but it's really ugly inside and he's trying to help this ugly person inside get the girl he loves and it's just you know the whole twist of fate thing
1: we should do a double feature of Cyrano the new Cyrano and Roxanne because hilarious. I love I love the story of Cyrano de Bergerac. I am so excited.
0: Yeah, Roxanne was great. Steve Martin was so good at that, and it was just such a funny movie. And this is another movie. If you if you're listening to this, you gotta you gotta pick up on because that was great, and it doesn't get as much publicity as it should. The same thing as Time Bandits. These movies are like all time classics, and. They stand the test of time. Like you can watch them now and be like, I get it. I see it. I know what they're talking about.
1: Exactly. Because And what I think makes these movies so timeless is that they just are silly and fun and they celebrate human values without poking fun or punching down on anybody, which I think is really great. And I don't think we have a lot of. And I think in the 90s and early 2000s, especially, you see a big shift in that. And I think now we're kind of coming out of it, but in a way that people are pushing back against it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And like, you can see in the 80s how like women are viewed. Like in this movie, even, like you said, they just, it, women aren't viewed highly. I mean, they're viewed as either manipulative or sneaky or, or, or lusty and um, it's such an 80s thing where like that's how the view was there wasn't really a powerful woman that was really like stand out I mean and then you had like Carrie Fisher and them start coming out and like in these lead roles where they like showed power and they didn't need anybody and uh, that's more trending nowadays
1: I mean we say that but Star Wars did come out before this movie so they could have had a strong woman if they wanted but that is a whole issue within itself and I think like you said like I think there are so many tropes and archetypes but like in film men seem to subvert them in ways that are fun while women are still pigeonholed and i think this movie is a great example of that
0: oh 100 percent and uh but but i'm still pansy's great i don't care (laughs) i thought pansy was incredible
1: shelly duvall kills me she's so funny and she was so perfect for that role when she's just like sitting with like her beautiful eyes and she's like but like your problem is it okay like she was every line that she delivered was phenomenal even though she was an archetype of just like this horny woman that wants this man to marry her, like
0: yeah, yeah, she killed it, and and it, I, I'm glad that they had her in like twice on the thing because that character of Pansy and Vincent were just so funny, and they 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 were outside the arc, but they made the the movie this so much funnier.
1: I thought so too, and I thought that it was funny to have these reoccurring characters because it's like even though times change things still are the same you know what i mean like i thought they i thought they were going to show up continually throughout the film that's what i was waiting for
0: yeah didn't you tell me that like sean connery actually asked to continue
1: so he didn't ask to continue so sean connery had a very short time that he could film he only had 14 days and while after he read the script he was like oh you know like maybe at the end my character could have like a cameo a comeback to the Agamemnon character like like we said with Shelley Duval, with the Pansy and the Vincent characters having characters repeat through time because even though times are different things are the same and Terry Gilliam was like oh whatever kind of sat on it and then he didn't like the ending he had come up with so he had actually written Sean Connery in to be that firefighter that Kevin sees and then begged him to come in for two days to do it he was like overseas it was all this stuff and he didn't and I think it was I thought it was a really interesting tie-in especially because we had the mimicking earlier in the film.
0: Out. Yes. And so at the ending, um, God comes in and he turns um, evil into like stone, like a statue and bl- breaks it apart. And he has them pick up all the pieces of evil. Like he's like, all right, guys, you, you got to clean up and, and make sure you get all the evil and don't leave it because you know, it, you know, it's evil and any piece that can destroy you. But there's a piece that falls under the tank and it's left. So as they're leaving, they leave Kevin. And Kevin knows that a piece of evil is still there. And then when he comes back to his own time, he wakes up into a fire. And he's rushed out by the firefighters, revealing Sean Connery. But they say that the fire started because of the mother's pot roast or something. And when they pull it out, the mother and father are holding... The, the, the oven, the small oven, and uh, they open it and the piece of evil is actually in there. And Kevin says, don't touch it. It's evil. And ne- they don't listen to him like they don't listen to him all throughout the movie. And he touch it and they blow up, leaving Kevin alone.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So it shows that evil does win in the end. I mean, Kevin is left orphaned and homeless. But I think it's I think it was a story of hope because now that he's unencumbered by what he views like that he needs, he has the photo of the map and he has this fireman Sean Connery. So maybe it's all good. But then the movie ends and we have George Harrison's Just a Dream playing. And it's like, well, was it just, you know, I thought it was really kind of inambiguous, but like really fun. And I don't know, I really enjoyed it. And I see so many parallels to like other things like did you ever watch that show miracle workers oh my god hilarious so in the show, it's about God, who's Steve Buscemi, kind of like runs this like office building. And I saw a lot of parallels in this with God being like, these are my workers and you're getting back pay. So it's really, I thought that was really funny. I don't know. I can't, that was just like playing through my head through the whole like third act.
0: Wait, yes, I do know what you're talking about. That has the star of Harry Potter in it. Okay, yes, I do know the show. I haven't watched it. I heard nothing but good things about it, but I just haven't had a chance to see it. Okay, this is going to be a
1: small tangent about Miracle Workers because it's one of my favorite shows. Season one, Hysterical he is God and they're all his workers. Season two, medieval times. Season three, Oregon Trail. Tens across the board every time. So funny. I do think season two is my favorite, um, but it's HBO Max, everyone. If you have it, please give it a watch. Daniel Radcliffe is hysterical.
0: So, gotta go watch it. So, <laughs> so I hope you liked our show this week. Uh, I thought it was great. And you must check out Time Bandits. And if they do a reboot, I hope they do it justice. I'm going to leave this off with Kara if she wants to say anything.
1: Awesome. I just want to say thank you guys for listening to us every week. Uh, we have fun watching these movies. We have fun talking to you about it. And we want this just to be about, like, fun and positivity. And I think this movie brings that in. I think if you watch Miracle Workers, it will. Roxanne Cyrano de Bergerac anything that we've talked about because it's all about being yourself and being true to yourself you know that's the message right?
0: Yeah they had to be different be yourself don't let no one change you or try and make you anything that you're not and always value yourself and uh, I hope you appreciate that and uh, tune in next time to What's Happening?